Gonna be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com/slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support means that we get to continue to make the show, and in return, they get some cool stuff, including ad-free episodes video versions of the show on demand and an entire bonus show we call paid dlc which comes out on wednesdays it features myself christian spicer and lana bashinsky talking whatever happens to be on our minds that day it's a free form sort of jazz version of the show yeah i said it i went there you can check it out you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash dlc pod dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's ready for the spoopy season, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Um, I have bad news, Jeff. Um... I got an email from, uh, well, let's just say a very litigious company, and the, um, the Nemesis system that uh -huh. I have been using for this podcast for years. Yes. That trademark is filed, and, and they're, they're going after us. So, um, oh, no. I can, I can, you know, I can no longer be your Nemesis. I, they, they gave some alts I could be. I could oh, be like, like a, what? Like a thorn in your side. Uh, that doesn't really roll off the tongue. They also threw out like uh, admit one of your best friends. Um, they, they mentioned that. Ooh, they said, that doesn't person, sound accurate. Also, person you care deeply about. Mm. Um, it's not. It's not. It's twenty twenty two. You can tell your friends you love them. One. I guess we're going with the thorn one then. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, we have a huge, huge show for you. Uh, for some reason, massive amounts of video game news this week. Uh, as we're moving into that fall, into the uh, the the time when uh, the big releases traditionally have come out, we're getting tons of news about all kinds of stuff, and we're going to try to get through as much of it as we possibly can. Also, tons of great games to talk about. Uh, Steam Next Fest was this week. I played a ton of demos. I'm going to try to get you uh, my favorites from that, and we got all kinds of things. And even better than that, ladies and gentlemen, we have one of our favorite guests here with you. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, DLC stands for Delays Lead to Commentary. Because from Delayed Input, we have the one, the only, Kyle Bossman back with us. Hey, Kyle. Hey, hey. I got to say, so uh, proper, proper like guest etiquette is to not interject until you've been introduced. It was hard today. 
<laughs> well, th that's how you know you're a pro because you understood the, the proper guest etiquette. Uh, I'm I'm always that way when I guest on shows as well. I always try to you know stifle my giggles or whatever I need to do. Uh, what what did you want to say? Well, you get me ramped up. Your intro, you don't um or pause once. <laughs> I get I get ramped up in the intro. I want to be like shouting with you. You know, I want to yeah. be up on that. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. This is uh, episode 464 of that. I've done the same <laughs> dumb intro 464 times. So, you know, it kind of rolls off the tongue at this point. If yeah, anyone could get me to do a video edit, it would be Kyle. And I would do it very much in the vein of a Kyle video. Like I could float in maybe. A D, like I need the screen behind me with the, uh, you know, what Kyle's DLC is and was. But also, Kyle, I don't know how you do it because your videos are great. And, uh, Editing video is, it's not easy. It takes time and it takes a lot of hard drive space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't used to like edit my own stuff until a few years ago. And, uh, it's fun. It's, it's like, it's a oh, little it? like comedy math. That's very true. It, it, it's interesting how much of an equation it turns out to be right. The, the rhythm of something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're, you know, you're phenomenal at it. We, we love your stuff. And, uh, I'm very much the opposite. I hate editing video of myself. I, I don't have the patience. I, I know what the math should be. And I'm just like, I, know, I, I need somebody else to do this. <laughs> I fail the equation every time. Your high um, school math teacher is just looking over your shoulder like, oh, no, that's wrong. Oh, no, that's not. Yeah, yeah. That's wrong. Not, Missed not it. great. Uh, we have, like I said, we got tons to talk about. So let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send comments or questions or criticisms, even if you must. Uh, we love hearing from you. Whatever's on your mind, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send the correspondence or, and you could also check out one of our communities. We have a subreddit at five by five dlc.reddit.com where folks are hanging out and also a discord that you can hang out and find like-minded individuals to share a love of games and all sorts of other topics. That's also five by five DLC on discord, but Kyle, you are our guest, So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Okay, I mean, it's not the most exciting story, but it's the one I think, I think it is the story of the week. It's the Need for Speed Unbound announcement. Yeah, yeah. A uh, new Need for Speed game. We got a trailer. It was, I, I don't know if it rolled out exactly, uh, no pun intended, rolled out exactly as they intended, uh, because I guess it leaked a little early, and so maybe they needed to... Uh, debut the trailer a little sooner than EA was hoping for, but uh, it uh, it looks like it's got kind of a new look and feel. Why do you consider this to be the one that you definitely wanted to talk about on the show? So, Need for Speed has a legacy, right? It's a it's a game title I don't play, but I know of. It's one of those, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it's like the fact that it's coming out this year still. EA announced a while ago. They're like, the Need for Speed game is coming out in 2022 to their investors. And it's like, are you are you sure? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, it's happening. Trust us, trust us. And you couldn't. You couldn't trust them until this trailer came out. 
Uh, yeah. And so I guess that's what's interesting about it to me is that they waited this long to announce this game that is coming out this year. Yeah, December 2nd is uh, evidently the release date, which is, you know, right around the corner. It's not not too far off. And uh, it, it looks like they've kind of... Um, the, when I looked at the trailer, when I watched the trailer, my impression was they're kind of doing like a Street Fighter V kind of take. You know, Street Fighter V, Street Fighter VI, like where Street Fighter has gone, where it's like we've looped all the way past photo real or any attempt at photorealism and back around to just like super stylized and and uh you know effects everywhere and crazy stuff are we expecting the game to be full of that you think yeah it looks like if you like hit a jump so street fighter is a good example because those those like ink splashes when you're doing a super or something right yeah uh so yeah it looks like if you're like doing a cool thing like some wings will sprout out but i think it's it's a fair example it's like it's like to me, it's like childlike graffiti is the the aesthetic. It's like, yeah. you know, it's just like scribbled neon in the sky, basically. Just yeah. kind of appears around your car. But the humans are like cel-shaded. Right. The, the right. humans are not even like trying to look realistic. I guess their proportions are still realistic. Yeah. ASAP Rocky is in it. <laughs> as himself, it seems like. <laughs> cel-shaded himself. Yeah, yeah. Cel-shaded himself. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's, it's weird, Uh, you know, car... Triple A car games are normally shooting for realism. Right. Every and, single and, one. And the cars do look like they're shooting for realism. Yeah. You know? It's, but then there's all the splashy nonsense around it. Yeah. 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 And also a little bit of cell shading in terms of like the lighting on the car. Again, it's not photorealism lighting. And I, I do wonder if the series is going to be a little more arcadey. Because Need for Speed, I uh, it is a series that I have played. But Kyle, I 100% agree with you where it's a series that most everyone that has played a video game since forever has probably heard of it. And it is a series that is hard to define though, because it's been a million. It's like, there's even like need for speed run. I think where you were like on foot for some of it, you know, like it's done everything. It's done everything except be a flying game, which I guess this when the wings come out. So it is, it is now, it is now a flying game, but it's been arcadey. It's been more um, semi, and it's kind of gone this uh, cops and robbers. It, it's been everything, and this seems like my gut is that it is looking to be um, uh, flash instead of substance, perhaps, and maybe more arcadey. But they haven't revealed a lot about the game. But Jeff, I feel like this is kind of what. You know, we talk about on this show wanting a whole bunch. Don't yeah, re- yeah, reveal for sure. it I mean, until it's ready to come out. You know me. Oh yeah. Oh oh, that version of wanting. I thought you were saying about the more arcadey. St- I'm I'm definitely down for the more arcadiness too because uh, you know we have great simulation racers. They're not genu- generally my jam. I like my burnouts, my smash 'em ups, my big jumps and crazy uh, physics. Uh, and so I'm down. I- I'm down for this if that's what it ends up being. And I also am down for these more experimental slash bold art direction, uh, just in in general. You know, I think in, especially a field like this where everything is kind of going for the same look and feel, you know, and, and it's a very crowded field of, of racing games in general. Uh, I think it's cool to say, hey, well, let's differentiate ourselves and make something that looks immediately different uh, in, and kind of has some personality to it. I, I think that's uh, on both in both ways. 
this feels like much more of a game that I'm attracted to. Yeah, chat says uh, Pyrandia, uh, Need for Speed Spider-Verse, which I think is an interesting, or like <laughs> Mitchell's, Mitchell's versus the Need for Speed. You know, That's it great. has that yeah. stickers can get slapped on it, like attitude right. and, and stuff, which I think is an interesting take for, again, as we've mentioned, oftentimes racing franchises, they've maybe gone fast and the furious with like overdone neon and like unrealistically low cars, like lowered cars driving on off-road courses, <laughs> you know, and stuff yeah. like that but this does seem stylized in a way that um, it, it's an odd mix, right? Cause horizon chase and horizon chase two, which is out available on Apple arcade. Now I don't think it's expanded yet. It's very stylized, but it's stylized in like the next step of what those old arcadey games were yeah, like out. And I think it's more of an outrun yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, because it lives in that it lives in a space between realistic and something else it makes it a little more compelling than just being cartoony or just being photorealistic the other thing i want to point out about this game uh and i'll ask you about kyle is it is not coming to last gen systems uh this isn't has not been the trend most most of the big releases up through the end of this year and into 2023 are still being uh published on playstation 4 xbox one uh, this will be only PC, PlayStation 5, and the Xbox Series, and it will carry that higher sticker price, that $69.99 uh, sticker price. Um, what, what do you make of that? Do you think that is, are we going to start seeing more games that embrace the current gen? Yeah, I feel, so the question to me is like is need for speed unbound positioned for success? Like it is <laughs> it is it's priced like it's priced like uh you know it's it's so it's tough it's it's like if you want god of war on ps5 that's 70 dollars. if you want you know yeah call of duty modern warfare 2 that's 70 dollars. and so that becomes what you expect a 70 dollar video game to be and i don't know i don't know if this game meets that it's because it's what you're saying is it's right it's like at least this game is different we will always be able to recognize oh that one was need for speed unbound because it looks unique it looks like something on its own but I wonder if if they've demonstrated enough to say that we well, this is a next gen game. Yeah. No, I, we can say if they haven't. They haven't proven that it's a next generation. Like why why this wouldn't work on your PlayStation Four, your Xbox One. Right. Um, it was not proven in that trailer. Uh, I think it's kind of exciting to transition into next gen to current gen. Um, but uh, I don't know if this one does it. Yeah. For me. Well, we will find like out Gotham relatively Knights. soon. Uh, I think Gotham Knights is similar. It's like Gotham Knights abandoned last gen. Uh, and from what they've shown, it also doesn't necessarily, it's not blowing you away, right? Like, oh yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. This is why I've had this yeah. console for two plus years. I, I wonder if it is just a resource, you know, maybe Need for Speed Unbound doesn't have the budget that Need for Speed Hot Pursuit got, you know, 25 <laughs> years ago, however long ago that was. And this is something they're trying to, to release uh, while keeping costs and, and developing across systems raises them in a way that makes it, you know, untenable for them to to hit this December release date or something like that. But it certainly is not, holy crap, you know, family gather around the TV, welcome yeah, to I mean, it, Unreal Five. Is that the metric? Because I feel like the the holy crap gather around the the TV. Look at how beautiful this game is. To me, that's like a, a Horizon Forbidden West. 
which, which is, is also available gen. on PC, PS4. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I don't even know if that's a metric anymore. For I, actually, I actually think like Batman's interesting to bring up because one generation ago, Arkham Knight was that. Arkham, yeah. like Arkham Knight looked crazy when that game came out. And I didn't think about it until this very conversation is like, oh, because, you know, you don't think of that game in high regard in hindsight. But like when that launched, it was the, one of the craziest looking games I'd ever played. Yeah. And then here we have, you know, not a sequel to it, but, you know, the uh, the spiritual sequel to it. And it's like, it's not you're right. It's not close. There's there's no. Arkham Knight still looks good. <laughs> yeah, Arkham Knight still looks good, and Gotham Knights like it. I like. I think it looks very fun. I'm excited to play Gotham Knights, but that is also seventy dollars too. Again, yeah. that's like this man. It doesn't look like that kind of thing to me. But yeah. I think yeah, that's just it's something that we all just have to accept. That's just the going rate going forward. It is an interesting psychological difference between sixty dollars and seventy dollars. You know what I mean? I feel like at one point, it, on one hand, I round up, and the other hand, I I, I sort of round down. You know, when it's like fifty nine nine, that's basically fifty bucks. It's not, but you know, that's my brain does that. But at seventy, it's like, oh, am I going to pay a hundred dollars for a video game right now? You know, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird distinction line. You know, for me, that's it's a the difference between a movie starting at nine fifty. In a movie starting at 10.01, like a 10.01 movie. That is unreasonable. 9.55 right. even, I'm like, oh, it's only nine. We're going yeah, to the movies. Right. 10.01, yeah. no way. Too late. <laughs> yeah, right, actually, I think, I oh, think Batman, ahead. sorry, I think Arkham Knights is going to be my first $70 game. I think like this is going to be the opening, the, the that door opening up for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very well maybe for me as well. Pretty wild. Um. All right, Christian, uh, t- packed, packed week of news stories. I'm curious what you would consider your story of the week. I mean, there's big news that happened, but I really hope you bring it up just because I enjoy um, you being a hypocrite in the space of uh, video game trailers and movie trailers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to bring that one up. Uh, the flip side of this story of a, of a, I almost said movie, a game getting announced uh, very close to release is the the opposite side of that coin is what CG, CD Projekt Red has done. And they've said, uh, you know how we're still working on that one game that we released a while ago. And it's it's pretty it's it's like people like it now. That Netflix show is real good. The game is like, you know, it's whatever. It's fine. We're, we're, we're going to fix it. We're going to make more stuff for it. But also, here's a million other things we're making. CD Projekt Red, I feel like kind of out of nowhere, had a digital press conference announcing uh, major changes at the studio and also, what is it, two new Witcher trilogies and a cyberpunk sequel? Is, am I getting that right? And something else, an unannounced thing. New right? IP, a project yeah. Also and a new and IP. A new IP. Yeah. I think nine games. It's, it's somewhere between six and 100 games <laughs> they, they announced last week, which, and people leaving and moving roles within the studio I mean, I'm I'm making light of it, but it's massive. Like CD Projekt Red was kind of, in my opinion, like a little engine that could that always outperformed. They were a money ball. You know, if you read the book or watch the movie, watch sports like they were that type of team to me. Where it's like always quality. It seemed like a small, scrappy team um, from a place that, you know, isn't necessarily known for it's not the West or the East in terms of the developer community. And they really punched above their weight. And it seems like now they are, 
they're bringing their weight. Uh, <laughs> they're bringing their weight to the fight. It's huge. Well, W A I T as well, because uh, <laughs> this, these are projects that are going to be over the next six years. Evidently, this is the roadmap for six years, and it's clear they are shooting for the stars because each of these was announced at, according to their project name, which are all constellations. So we have Project Orion which is a new cyberpunk sequel that's going to, quote, prove the full power and potential of the cyberpunk universe, because that other game, we didn't, it didn't really prove that. Um, but this one, well, Project Orion. And then we got uh, Project uh, Sirius, which is going to be uh, an indie, kind of indie version of the Witcher universe, which will uh, provide a, quote, innovative take on the Witcher universe. Uh, telling a, quote, unforgettable story for existing Witcher fans and new audiences. So you that's an, sort of an indie uh, Witcher offshoot project. Then you've Who's got- game for everybody. It's for everybody. existing fans and new fans. Yes. Everyone will love it. It's for ages zero to 99. Yeah. It's for everyone. Our demo is got a wallet. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, there's also Project Polaris, which is, uh, this is the new Witcher trilogy or the first of the new Witcher trilogy, which will pick up after the events of uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. This which is I guess is right. They announced one, but they announced it as part of a trilogy, but they didn't announce, like the other two aren't part of these games that they announced in the next six years, but they've also, by announcing it's a trilogy, announced another two, right? Yes. Just later? Uh, the, the, the promise is that all three games in the trilogy are going to be released within six years of the first one. Okay. All right. All right. Let's do it. Uh, and then we got uh, Project Canis Majoris, which is a story-driven single-player open-world RPG set in the Witcher universe, but it's being developed by a third-party studio led by ex-Witcher devs. It's going to be Witcher, but not like mainline other tr Polaris trilogy Witcher, but it's Witcher. And finally, Project Hadar, which is a new IP distinct from Cyberpunk, distinct from The Witcher, that is going to be a completely new project from CD Projekt Red, developed 100% internally in-house with CD Projekt Red. So, Kyle, lots of CD Projekt Red stuff, lots of Witcher things. Lots of, uh, it's a clearly ambitious, clearly, uh, you know, shooting for the stars, uh, you know, Babe Ruth pointing to the back of the fences saying, Hey, we're coming, we're coming big. We're swinging for the fences after a project that got delayed quite a, a lot, didn't come out on time and didn't come out to basically anybody's satisfaction. I don't even think their own, uh, cyberpunk 2077. What do you make of this announcement? So, it, it's firstly, you say shooting for the stars. I don't actually believe these are the code names before a week ago. Th that they're all constellations, that each of these projects is a constellation. I feel like it was an idea of like packaging these things mm. for these investors. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's like it's too cute and too snappy <laughs> that each of them is a constellation. But yeah, that's it's one of those things where it's like we're not the actual audience. It's the investors who are are dipping or are leaving uh, their interest in CD Projekt Red. It was like right. they're trying to win back with this stuff. And so, I mean, I think we can smell the foul stench of three Witcher games in six years and how impossible that is. But, yeah. you know, they have to say to people, 
who they need to invest in them, they have to say they can do it. They have to say they can pull this stuff off because their stock was dipping. And so that's like when Christians like he, he framed it perfectly. Is that just like sometimes you get too big. So like Witcher 3 overperformed and it created this business that had to just keep escalating upon that. And uh, but what we're seeing here is I, I feel like there's no way. I feel, I feel like there's no way they can pull off what they've promised, but it's what they would need to do to justify their stock price. You know, it's 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 a wild thing to look at, honestly. We're three you make- yokels talking about this on a podcast and we're like, oh, I don't know. And are the investors sitting there, like people who study, are they sitting there being like, yeah, you got me. I thought I was walking away, but you announced six to 10 new games. I'm back in. Here's here's a couple mil. Like I don't. That's what I don't understand of that side of the investor. I agree that it was largely too. You know, it, it pre-orders aren't up now, right? It wasn't that pitch. Right. But also, press X to doubt. I I don't I don't know how investors were watching this and thinking. I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, from the first time that. Cyberpunk 2077 was announced. And when it was released, it was less than six years. So I, I could be wrong about that, but it was around that if it, if it was any shorter. And so one new Witcher game, the quality of The Witcher 3 in six years, I think would be a pretty cool accomplishment. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it is, uh, it is, um, I think we have the right to doubt it. I think I think doubting it is the is the correct uh, reaction, uh, and I think Kyle, you make great points about why this is probably happening and and how they've kind of put themselves in that position. And it it's unfortunate because I think you know the failure or you know a, ostensible failure. Uh, it sold a bunch of copies, but the perceived failure of uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, I think, probably pushes a more ambitious kind of. Um, projection of of what they need to do and and that it just feels like all of these tensions all of these pressures uh, external and internal uh don't usually result in all this stuff coming to fruition i i like to uh you know be optimistic i do love imagining however uh the image you put in my head kyle of of you know them having a meeting and being like i want to pitch a new project it's like oh cool awesome pick the constellation that it's going to be called <laughs> Can I be the Big Dipper? No, no, no. Remember, no, they we already... pick the ones that sound cool too. You're right. Yeah, they definitely be like, oh, that's serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polaris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No um, doubt. Venerable hero in the chat mentions that it's something that we haven't mentioned yet. I think it's a good point that they have announced that they're switching to Unreal. So perhaps. Yeah, with Unreal, you just go like bloop, blap, bloop, and then Witcher game pops out. That's uh, my understanding of how Unreal works. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still ambitious, but it'd be even more ambitious if it was like, and we're creating an all new engine to yeah. realize these worlds. Like, yes, no, Unreal does not. I mean, as far as I know, well, maybe I'm going to try that. Unreal plus an, one of those AI uh, yeah, image creators yeah. plus an AI text thing. I'll just That's, copy, paste, hey, copy, paste. We're like five years away from that, you guys. You know what I mean? So before like, these, this first Witcher game comes out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have five years just to wait. And then, yeah, that, maybe then that's what they're play. betting on. They're going to be like, <laughs> all that, you know, C, what is it? CP2? CP, what is it? The, five, five years of just sitting back on year five. They just go push button, make game. And it comes out and we're sitting <laughs> yeah. here because we're still doing this show. And we're just like, it's good. It's so good. 
four, it's five years of Googling, can AI make games? <laughs> and one year of just making it happen. Um, uh, we joke, but you know, I'm rooting for this. I, I was very, I mean, I think uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is the biggest disappointment for me in, you know, in, in quite a long time. And uh, I, I have not revisited. I know a lot of folks are saying it's, it's so much better now. I, I want to revisit it. Um, but I've rooted for this, pro this uh, studio precisely for the reasons you outlined, Christian, which is they've always felt like the scrappy underdog who is, you know, exceeding expectations. And I felt like, oh my gosh, there's no way to Cyberpunk 2077 can, can underwhelm because these are the folks that underpromise and overdeliver. And so I, I, I feel like this overpromising or, you know, the appearance of overpromising with this big uh, slate of, of promises, uh, it worries me because I don't want them to overpromise again and get themselves in a situation where people are like, you said you'd have eight games out by now and you've got zero games out by now, you know. We shall games. see. Uh, we, we probably won't have time to talk about, but it is interesting how Unreal is taking over the world. You talked about that, and uh, Halo evidently is uh, reportedly being moved over to the Unreal Engine as well. So that's going to have a major ripple effect, I think, in this industry of just how, like, when we get down to basically one or two engines for everything and no uh, proprietary bespoke engines for games, I... I, I I think that's a whole other podcast, but it'd be interesting to dig deep and find out if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing for the industry. Because it's happening. It seems to be happening, at least in some respects. Um, all right. Well, I, you know, you say, Jeff, um, who's going to be the one? <laughs> who, who among us is going to be the one to bring up this story? To which I will reply, it's a me. Um, <laughs> the... Of course, the news that everybody has been talking about this week is uh, Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct focused exclusively on the debut of the theatrical trailer, the first theatrical trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie starring a just a bevy of, of uh, above-the-line AAA talent, including Chris Pratt as Mario. Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach, Jack Black as Bowser, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, for some reason. Coming out this April, uh, the trailer had a, a, so much uh, interest in it, notably because Chris Platt, Chris Pratt as Mario, how's he gonna sound? Is he gonna attack it like it is? You know, how, how's he gonna be? What's it gonna, we got this uh, crazy Italian character who's had this uh, sing-songy cartoon voice in so many iterations. What was Pratt going to bring? Uh, and uh, Kyle, we have an answer? I don't know. I don't know. Do we even hear him enough to really know? I feel like people uh, wrote these big headlines. He sounds like a normal guy. And I was like, well, I kind of sort of hear maybe like a Brooklyn-y kind of thing. There's a little bit in New York. Yeah. Mushroom yeah. Kingdom, here we go, I think his his last line, right? Yeah. And it's like, for, at first it's Pratt. It's like, Mushroom Kingdom, yeah. here we, and then it's like, go. It's, it's like, <laughs> yes. he's yes. playing like a very innocent Mario. Like, Mushroom Kingdom, here we go. It's kind of something, <laughs> it's a little bit, that's the best I could, if you haven't seen the trailer, that's the best I could do you for you. You nailed it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> so what's your, I mean, 
I have a lot of thoughts, but I, I want to know what you I, what you think of the of the trailer. I was of, ready to hate it. Yeah, I was ready to hate it. The trailer opens up with this dramatic scene of Bowser invading a nation of penguins. And mm -hmm. I thought this is a great scene. I was just like visually it's impressive. It's just a cool floating Bowser fortress just breathing fire on this ice kingdom yeah. i mean like, and even like some jokes landing it was so great opening and then like i my cynicism melted away in a bit you know it was like yeah you know what this is just this is another like good kids movie and in a, in a weird way it's like i gotta be like hands off right like i can make fun of chris pratt being mario all day but like i don't think i'm gonna be like making fun of this movie when it comes out it seems like they're trying to make a good movie yeah yeah i agree um christian you you know you brought up my um unsullied lifestyle as i call it on my other podcast my movie podcast where i don't watch movie trailers at all like i was completely oh, unsullied i, I appreciate I that complete abstinence uh, on movie trailers uh the only times i make exceptions is if i just have no desire to see the movie i'll check out the trailer whatever who cares i don't care but um if i'm planning to see a movie uh i have i try to avoid them completely um and I watched this. And so, uh, as some have pointed out, I'm a hypocrite. Uh, okay. But I will say. No, um, come on. It's not fun when you're just okay with it. Come on. My thorn in your side system uh, demands that you come back and I have, you know, a new name uh, and we fight again. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, my, my, as I've said many times on the show, my son, Jack, who, who just turned six uh, a few weeks ago, uh he loves Mario stuff more than anything in the world. He he is obsessed with Mario. Everything is Mario. He dresses as Mario. He went as Mario for Halloween last year. He'll probably go again this year. He's obsessed with Mario. And so um, I was very delighted to show him this trailer and watch it with him and, and get excited about the movie because he's very excited about the movie. So, you know, dad stuff beat out any kind of, <laughs> hardline stance i take uh, on principle but i'm sorry son you will watch not it. watch that trailer in this i've blocked the ip address <laughs> <You can't. laughs> well actually uh, so what i kind of appreciate as a trailer though is and probably you know what makes both most trailers bad is that it actually it shows three scenes and yeah. it lets those scenes kind of be as they are and they're obviously cut for time they're, those are like snippets of dialogue cut out but it's just it's not a trailer that ruins the whole movie i think you see basically maybe the first two scenes of that movie and then two seconds of Luigi running away from some uh, dry bones right. at the end. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think, I think it's like, it's not, it's a teaser is a nice way to, to I think they called it a teaser trailer, right? It's mm -hmm. not as evil as many movie trailers can be. A hundred percent agree. And I, I, I appreciated that. I, my thoughts about the trailer are as follows. I agree with you. I think, it looks fantastic. It looks like they're making a really high quality animated film. I also appreciated how it, it, it presents itself as this big dramatic moment. And then it, you know, it rug pulls and does a really kind of goofy moment and lets you know that this, this, this film is not going to take itself too seriously, which I'm super excited about. Like, yes, that's what it should be. It, I want it to be goofy and uh, have some, you know, uh, physical humor and, and be a kid's movie. That's great. I'm glad that they made that clear in the first teaser. Uh, and it's, you know, Jack Black as, as Bowser sounds awesome. Like he's doing a voice. Um, I, like I said, I'm not convinced that Pratt isn't doing any voice. Like, I don't think he's not doing anything. I think there's going to be some thing that he's doing. I wish, honestly, 
that Mario kind of didn't really have a speaking part in this movie. Like I wish, I wish the movie was almost no Mario dialogue that it felt more like the video games. And it was more of a Gordon Freeman type where everybody's talking at him and he doesn't need to have monologues or Chris Pratt, you know, dialogue there. That's not the direction that they went, but I am completely impressed with the visuals. Uh, in fact, I tweeted this and I, a lot of people pushed back on me about it, but I, I, I really, it really made me think, man, I wish Nintendo would put out more powerful hardware because that's how the games could look. Like the games could look pretty darn close to that right now if you, they were on PlayStation 5 or Xbox series, you know, or PC. It, we, we have stuff like Ratchet and Clank, um, the latest one, Rift Apart, uh, that approach what this movie trailer looks like. And you could have... And I know it's not it's not about the game it's not it's about the gameplay it's not about the look with Nintendo games but it looked fantastic to me I thought it looked just gorgeous and I want to play a game that looks like that. Am I crazy? What would your son say? He loved it. I mean, he picked it apart like he like he knows the names of all the side characters and he was like you know doing the thing that you did was like oh it's a dry bones and I'm so excited the Luigi part and Dad let's check it out and oh my gosh Mark you know this and that so he I think he was really. Uh, He's really stoked and he, you know, for him, the idea of April seemed, it, it might as well have said, you know, 100 years from now, it's coming out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I know that feeling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's very, very excited about it. And, and, you know, he's like, daddy, we're gonna go see it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll go see it in the movie theater. So yeah, he's, he, he loved it. He had no, no, no notes from my son. <laughs> that's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the target audience, right? That's, they want the, I think that they want the movie to play to folks like us that grew up with Mario. But I think primarily it's, it's you know, talking to that generation that's just encountering Mario for the first time now, you know? Sorry. What I find interesting about, it's an Illumination is doing the animation and they are the Minions um, company as well. All, <clears throat> I think it choked up thinking about it. Almost all their movies look fantastic. So it is not a surprise to me that this movie also looks fantastic. I think what you, we see in this trailer reveal is that somehow, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, Brooklyn, Chris Pratt gets sucked in to it, but he has like, where am I? Yeah. Like there's that beginning moment of like, however, there's always a thing, right? It's either like the cartoon comes into the real world or the real world goes into the cartoon, or maybe this guy comes from Plummerville and gets sucked into Mushroom Kingdom. But there's there's that, you know, fish out of water thing that I think could, could land or not land. He's clearly um, hanging out in New Donk City, Christian. Come on. I mean, I would, I'm down for that because he also <laughs> looks really weird in New Dunk City. That's definitely <laughs> not where he usually hangs out. Um, I, I think my questions for this film are less about Chris Pratt's voice and more about, I haven't liked many Illumination movies for the writing and plot and narrative that they have delivered. They've been hits. So I'm clearly, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. They've, they make money. Um, and so I think the thing that I find most fascinating about it is that Illumination is so willy-nilly with their copyright. And there's been a few studies about why that has actually helped Minions be the million or billion dollar franchise that it is. Because you go to any daycare, preschool, or on the street, you'll see like counterfeit Minion art, right? Like Minion murals painted. And Nintendo is not that company. You paint a Mario on the side of your like game bus Nintendo, if they find out, they'll tell you to take that Mario down. 
and illumination is not that way with minions at all. And I'm curious where this lands in terms of marketing. I imagine it'll be pretty strict for Nintendo control, but I'm curious to see that proliferation of Mario movie merchandise uh, to continue the alliteration and how specific it gets to this version of the character, or is it just we're going to see Mario everything because this movie is coming out. That's I think fair questions. It'll be interesting to see. And I also, you know, having the second movie I ever took my son to in movie theater uh, was the last minions movie, the most recent minions movie. And uh, oh, it's terrible. Same writer. It is terrible. Same, (laughs) same writer for this movie. Yeah, that's, that's not good. But that writer also was didn't get writing credit because it's a Hollywood thing, uh, but was story by for Lego Movie Part Two, which well, I there thought you go. was See, excellent. See, that's a phenomenal movie. I love it. But he didn't movie. get he didn't write the script. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but it comes with a free Froger. <laughs> but that Froger is cursed. <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing, I mean, just to put a button on this, uh, or two, one for each, whatever, um, is. So I saw online somebody uh, took uh, the still of Mario's face and just enlarged the eyes slightly and enlarged the mustache and made it look exactly like Mario is in Odyssey and every game in the last few years. Uh, it, it, the point being, they made his eyes smaller and his mustache smaller for the movie, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, it didn't jump out at me right away. I, it felt like, oh, that's kind of a more high fidelity look at Mario. I didn't catch what they had changed, but seeing it, you know, like toggling back and forth, you go, oh, it's interesting that they really consciously redesigned Mario's face in a very specific way. And I'm curious as to why they thought that was necessary, but it is, it's interesting. I think it's good to have Mario, sorry, movie Mario be different from video game Mario. Mm. I Cause like imagine video game Mario being sad. <laughs> yeah do you know like i i don't think i don't think that face can like handle the depth that a movie requires i don't i, I don't think like he would yeah he wouldn't think about smoking a cigarette but i feel like small-eyed mario would be tempted yeah. there's just something slightly how... more human about it i guess i think right. that might be the intent that may be how we start the movie what does it take for a human being to go into a sewer pipe you know, he's yeah, going to yeah, hit a, yeah. so it's a cigarette place. rolling down. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just like bo- chasing after okay. <laughs> Mario is at the bottom of his, you know, at the end of his rope, just uh, he's hit bottom and he's like, ah, what else is there? And he dives into a sewer pipe and he comes on the mushroom kingdom and it's like, that's oh, a whole adventure. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Story okay. by Kyle and Jeff. Get that credit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, one last, I know we got, we got lots of games to talk about. We got lots of things to talk about. I, I have one more story. Just so much happened this week. I want to get Kyle's uh, take on this. Uh, another thing that was kind of burning up the internets, uh, everybody had a, had, a, had a take on. So, hey, we need to have a take. We have takes. Is uh, There has been a report that Sony and Guerrilla Games are working on a remake or remaster, it has not clear exactly how much will be remade, but a new version for PlayStation 5 of the first Horizon game, Horizon Zero Dawn, which uh, is, is only five years old and still looks pretty sharp, in my opinion. Uh, evidently, this will have some new 
uh, lighting systems, some new textures, some enhanced animations. It will make it comport more to what Forbidden West looks like, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous game, which we already talked about working on PlayStation 4, but, you know, is definitely a, a more attractive game than its predecessor. Uh, but also will have some uh, uh, accessibility options, I think, that will be welcome for a lot of folks. But this kind of caused a bit of an uproar because uh, a remake for a game that is this recent, I would love to know what you think about this, Kyle. I have, I have no cynicism about this. I'm actually kind of into it. I think, uh, I think when it was talked about, when it was a rumor for Naughty Dog and Last of Us Part 1, um, part of it was they weren't happy with like what the first studio was working on for that remake. But also, um, I like this idea, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of turnover with studios. You finish one game, and then you can't go into full production on the next immediately after it. And so I kind of like this idea that while we're working on whatever our next big title is, we have all these employees. Like, why not utilize them on a on a project that's pretty straightforward i mm. guess and also a neat way to learn the tools and figure out what a ps5 is capable of what the next generation is capable of with something where again you already have the framework in place you know exactly what this game is and what it sounds like and what it looks like and uh you know most of most of the design work is done uh let's just see what the, the we're capable of you know visually yeah. i i I have no problem with it because it's so ignorable too. easily. I look at last of us part one for $70 and I say no. And that's the easiest decision to make. And like, <laughs> I don't understand. I think, I right. think the issue comes in is just like, look at all the other games you could have remade. But the, the point is none of those are as simple as remaking horizon zero dawn. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have a big problem with it. Honestly, I you make great points. I mean, I think that, um, uh, I wonder is there sort of a minimum level of improvement that would make this something that you would go, oh, wow, that does seem like a really good purchase? Or is this specifically for people that didn't play the first one? And hey, there's a better one. I mean, it's kind of that's kind of how I looked at Last of Us Part One. It's like, well, hey, if you're new to this franchise, this is the one to get, right? This is the best one. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to rush out and play this one again if you already experienced it recently it's not going to be like a revolutionary or you know revelatory uh transformation of the game but it's certainly the best version now yeah i try to think of like myself in high school a lot and like what four years is you know and <laughs> right. so like yes. a game that's five years old and will be six next year it's like that's old that's yeah. actually old right. it doesn't sound old to us horizon zero dawn it sounds like it just came out but like that's it's enough time for enough things to ch have changed and for like a new a new group of people to be interested in it. I'm actually, I'm way cool with it. So if only we could find someone on the podcast who might actually have a cynical view. Oh, wait, hi, hey, Christian Spicer, everybody. Oh, I thought you were going to call Taramina. I didn't Re know that you're, you're resident throwing this. cynic. Christian you're throwing Spicer. This to me. Oh, sorry. Another litigious company reached out and um, Steve Martin has Cyrano. Oh no, I thought you said Cyrano, not Cynic, Cynico. Um, Cyrano is very good. good, good really? That's what he uh, went yeah. with. I I was on the spot, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> he's got that's the movie where he's got the long nose. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's based on Cyrano de Bergerac, but that's it actually mm -hmm. isn't even called Cyrano. Um, and and yeah. in this joke, Steve Martin owns the rights to Cyrano. Um, <laughs> Kyle, I don't know, I don't know how things are where you live on the East Coast, but <laughs> here in Hollywood, 
we just make crap up. Okay. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, welcome, yeah, yeah, yeah. welcome to La La Land, baby. No, I'm willing to live in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on board for this bit. Yeah. Okay. He owns the rights. Do you know? So Steve good. Martin, uh, Hollywood bad boy, Steve Martin, just super. <laughs> the movie's called Roxanne, by the way. I know, I know, I know what it's <laughs> called. Cyrano is actually the new, ver- it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think if there is, I agree with all of Kyle's points and, and someone in chat mentioned that anytime you make a thing more accessible, that's always better, right? That's always better. That'll bring new people to it. That's always better. I think a a potential issue, a larger potential issue with this, as someone who owns, I point to it, but I'm too lazy to roll over there and get it, $100 version of The Last of Us Part 1 remaster. I was like, $70, what is this? For children, give me the more expensive one. Because it comes <laughs> with the comic book that I already own two different versions of. I need, I need a third version. Um, was that I the extra 30 on that? <laughs> yeah, and it's like a steel book and some, yeah, I mean, stuff. It's just No stuff. statue? No statue. Oh, but it did. It did come with the game where some of these collectors items yeah, collectors yeah, yeah, are like good. a steel case. Is there a game in there? No. Are you an idiot? It's a steel case. <laughs> I'll give you a code for you to download it. <laughs> yeah. We, we put a code case. in that case. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, is that the industry in order to be sustainable requires potentially requires this for studios not to need to lay off scores of people to have this, uh, it's not passive income, but like this other income coming in between these other blockbuster releases to have something come, you know, between uh, Forbidden West and whatever the next one is. We need a remaster of the first one. Like, I think it creates, uh, I think it's problematic in terms of how the business is run and potentially hints at something being unsustainable. And I think it also can create franchise fatigue in a way. Um, There was a post on our subreddit like a repost that someone, uh, um, Draz Kuinskoy, your, your joy posted on our subreddit. <laughs> Nailed it. I, I, it's a Reddit name. I don't know. Uh, it's, I think it's called Roxanne. Um, mm-hmm. my nose is getting longer by the minute. Huh? No, I thought that's Pinocchio. Now I'm just confusing yeah, things. Upcoming first party Sony games, God of War, Ragnarok, Spider-Man two, the last of us remake remaster, the last of us directors cuts extended. Super The Last of Us Turbo Champion <laughs> Horizon Remaster, Horizon Re-Remaster, Horizon's Director's Cut, De- <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn, again, $70 edition. Like, so I think yeah. it creates this thing of like, I'm laughing at these. Again, I'm a huge fan of, of both of these franchises, one very, very much so. But it creates this problem of like, oh, it's just we're getting the same stuff. And not only just eight new Witcher games, but like the same games over and over again. And that can feel, I think, stale and frustrating. Um, and, and it's like, who's going to remake Psycho this year? You know, well, what are also, you going to add? Another nothing to it? It's just problematic. I think, I think it also kind of points back to our earlier conversation about Need for Speed, which is there really hasn't been a clear distinction as to what this new generation of consoles means, you know? We we heard, you know, quicker load times that has proven out, but it's not no load times. And the notion of hey, uh, the, we'll re- remake it for this generation. It's like, well, okay, but what does this generation bring to the table? It it, it seems unclear and and vague, you know. So 
I think that's part of the problem too. If it was like, oh, you know, 8-bit to 16-bit, we're going to remake it. It just came out a few years ago, but it was 8-bit to 16-bit. I was like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, we're just not in that place anymore. Also, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Ooh, Kyle, what has made your playlist this week? All right. So um, you caught me on a bad week because the games I've been playing, I can't recommend. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I've been I've been like eating bad food. You know, it's like it's you want to come on a podcast and you really want to impress people with your tastes. (laughs) Uh, It's not happening this week. Uh, I've been playing a Valkyrie profile. Valkyrie Elysium, excuse me, uh, is the new one mm-hmm. um, that came out, I think, just last week. Uh, that's the, you know, it is the sequel to Valkyrie Profile, uh, a low budget Square Enix action RPG. And, and, you know, it's low budget the second you listen to it and start playing it, you know, and that, I, I find that like strangely appealing. Mm. It's like a low commitment, I guess. I'm never going to have to press buttons other than square and triangle to progress through this game. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. sometimes it's just nice to like, you get some into the, you get like a little bit into the mechanics, but not enough to challenge you while you're listening to a podcast or like watching TV while you're playing this game. Um, and so like, I, I just, I love what square Enix has been doing this year. They've been putting out a bunch of just, you would call them, I guess, double A to single A, just you know, B tier games mm-hmm. uh, that are just themselves. They're just so willing to just be out there and like, look, this is all I am. I'm not much more than this. You're going to see the twist of this story coming a thousand years years away. Like, you know, you, you're you not going to be interested in these characters very much, but, uh, you know, it's just somebody like bearing their soul to you. And, you know, I'm not a complicated person, but I'm here for you. And that's what I feel about <laughs> <laughs> Valkyrie Elysium it's just you know it's just a, like a simple a simple game to dedicate your give your time to I'm really enjoying it so far I love I love that description of it it's it's it, hey you know what I'm not asking a lot of you you're not asking a lot of me we, we understand each other let's just get let's just get through this yeah <laughs> it's amazing uh, and yeah and you know I guess like the getting through of it is right is it's like leveling up your characters a little bit making your weapons slightly stronger learning yeah. slightly better spells that that can just get into me man like i'll go i'll go do a side quest just to get a slightly better version of the spell i already have right. um and i'm willing i'm willing to do it i'm in it i'm in it for that now is this does this fit in a slot in your life that is for the thing that you can play while you're watching tv or listening to a podcast or does it is it so good or so you know right for you in this moment that you find time for it and the way you find time for it is you watch tv or listen to honestly podcasts? yeah i don't think i would have the patience to listen to this game i don't think i would have the patience to give it all of myself <laughs> right right. So, right so it is it is really weird it, it's like it's like somebody who like i guess goes to starbucks to do their writing you know what i mean it's like it's like i need i'm not i'm just i'm i'm not here for the coffee but i'm here for the (laughs) just being here it's the kind of like what i am in when i'm in a valkyrie but are you always looking are you are you like man i really want to listen to that podcast i wish i had a great game to 
to to to zone out to or same you're right i guess it goes both ways is i wouldn't just sit on my couch and listen to a podcast alone right. i need at this point i just i need too much my brain just needs too much <laughs> at the same time where yeah i'd be bored out of my mind to just listen to a podcast right right it's sad no that's actually sad at that point but yeah that's where i'm at it's, well, it's like that's my like final hours of the night is like shutting my brain down by giving it too much candy i guess well, I, I think that's a very common experience that you're describing. I don't think I don't think it's anything to feel bad about. I think that a lot of folks are, are in that boat. I think that's that's cool. Uh, so if you're looking for that, it sounds like Valkyrie Elysium might just be the, the right game for you. What else is on your playlist? So the other thing I've been playing a lot of is multiverses. Mm-hmm. This is the Warner Brothers Smash Brothers game. Right. Uh. I don't know if you've had anyone on your podcast come in and say, I've been playing this. Well, I played it a little bit when it first launched and I, I yeah. was pretty impressed with it. I, I really had a good time immediately. And I'm not somebody that loves Smash Brothers traditionally. I, it's never been a game that that connected with me uh, in particular, but I, I really, uh, I didn't play a ton of it. It sounds like you really played a lot of it. I've played too much of this game. And so what I really like about it is that it's 2v2 is the way to play the game. Yes, yes. and. I uh I don't like relying on other people, but it turns out that like I do like blaming other people. I'll, I'll talk out loud. Like I'll play. I just like nice job, Jake. Uh, like I'll I'll just like yeah, great Iron Giant. Like I'll be shouting at my TV like you blew it, Iron Giant. And so like it's a little it's a little crazy, but like I'm also on the other side, just like whoa, that Rick really carried me. Yeah. I just I actually love a two v two uh fighting game for some reason i think it, it just works for me uh and then also like i don't play more than my dailies they give you dailies just like any other free-to-play game does you know you just fill up your dailies you get a certain amount of ko's some of them are for taunting which i love be the first to taunt yeah it's such like a, a like a game encouraging the taunt button i love to death yeah. um and then uh uh just do my dailies and i'm good i'm like okay no more and then i'm done for the night I feel like good about the time I spent in multiverses, which I think is becoming more uncommon. I think people are falling off of the game. I think it's losing its enthusiasm as it goes on. Mm. Um, are you are you monetized? Are you battle passed? I bought the beta battle pass, but I didn't buy the new battle pass. The ultimate unlock is like a Robin costume for LeBron James. And I, I like, no, thanks. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need that, that Robin costume. So yeah, it's like, it, it was a matter of if I'm, if I'm really into this battle pass, I would buy it, but I, I didn't see anything I needed. I had the, the same uh, takeaway from my more abbreviated playtime with multiverses uh, in that I went, is, is literally the difference between me liking Super Smash Brothers and not liking Super Smash Brothers is like having a teammate. Is that really what it would have taken for me to, because I guess, I think there's a mode in Smash Brothers that's kind of similar. You but, can do 2v2 in Smash Bros, yeah. Yeah, I never, I never have, never did. Right. Uh, but just the fact that that's the de default kind of funnel you into the gameplay uh, in, in multiverses, I was like, this is kind of great to have, a, have somebody I'm in the, in the mix with on my side instead of I every time I played Super Smash Brothers, which admittedly hasn't been a ton, uh, it was always this wild cacophonous scrum of all these people sort of fighting each other and you're working on one dude, another dude comes up behind you and pops you in the head. It's like it's just felt too much for me. I, I as somebody that fell in love with fighting games with Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat in my youth, it was like, no, I want to focus and you know 
plan and and have some kind of structure here and it just felt like uh barely contained chaos and so that's what really kind of turned me off from smash brothers and i know at the highest levels it's it is all that that i'm describing but i never felt it and for some reason just having a teammate in multiverses already kind of focused things in a bit more and and relieved some of that uh that feeling that i had one thing i love about multiverses and this this teamwork feeling is uh it's got these things called it's called toast and you can give your toast to anyone after a match and it, there's like no uh 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 written denotation for what toast means but obviously it's like good job yeah so like you give your teammate like hey like man you carried me here's a toast and then if they toast you back it's a warm feeling yeah because you only get five toasts every time you logged in <laughs> so there's even like the toast is monetized in a way because you could buy more if you wanted more and it's, it's, so it's like it's this dumb thing where it's like it means something to g- give somebody a toast after a match and if if somebody you beat gives you a toast that's true warm <laughs> you f- you feel like you are a hot gamer if, if somebody <laughs> yeah, if, if yeah. you beat somebody and they're like willing to give you toast you're like willing to log off you're like i'm hot and then you just like quit the game you know <laughs> it feels amazing. so nice I love and so it. i like i truly there's a few times where like yeah i'll just get spanked right and i'm like yeah here's some toast you did great um i i love that mechanic i don't know if that's like I've I've definitely had games where you like thank people in your party, but to have it be a limited resource somehow makes that toast so significant to me. I really love that mechanic. That's beautiful. And and I love that it's incentivizing sort of positivity, you know, Uh, interactions that result in that warm feeling. So rare to find a way a game incentivizes that or, or prioritizes it or makes it feel special. I think that's, that's pretty great. Yeah. And it's free. Free multiverse. It is free, yeah. Pretty cool. I think it lives in a weird place where, like, I, I think, Jeff, when I first talked about it, it was during that early hands-on press time with it. And I think had multiverses come out, uh, I'm also old, uh, instead of, like, around that Power Stone time for me, mm. like, I, I would have dominated my life. Like, it's such a well-made game. The 2v2 aspect of it, it's not only that that's the default, but there's you know, some level and they did change and balance it, but there's some level of min maxing for these characters that make them compatible with each other. And, you know, they, they're meant to be played in duos. Yes. You can solo queue and you can solo match and stuff like that, or, you know, four all against each other, but they, they're complementary. These characters yeah. have, they have class distinctions, right? Yeah. And I think that style of thing, like had this come out instead of smash back in the day, I think there are aspects of multiverses that are stronger than smash in terms of that 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 specific core dynamic but what the game is still lacking in my opinion that a lot of these other free-to-play games have is or very successful apex fortnite is probably you know the pinnacle of it but it's something else to do in the game that's not stomping or getting stomped because like i'll do dailies in fortnite and it's you know instead of just taunting first it's like go do the booty dance at this burger shack. And it's, we're all going to, me and my friends are out there shaking our butts and it's like, we're giggling. And then someone's shooting at us, but we don't care. Cause we did the, th- and now it's like, what else are we going to do? And there's things you can do in the game. And, and, and rocket league, I think is similar in multiverses that it, it struggles to find those other things to do. I love rocket league. I really liked the, the mobile version as well. But when I fall off of it, it's like, Oh, I got to get good again. <laughs> you know, 
because I got to play the game. In Apex, there's other things to do in the game. Uh, and so I think that's, and they say that they're working on the single player uh, aspect of multiverses they've talked about. And I'm curious what that does for it. Because I, I think so much of the game is right. The art style is right. That 2v2 uh, mechanic is really great. But if I don't want, <laughs> it feels weird. <laughs> As I'm saying, it sounds stupid. If I don't want to play the game they made, but I still want to live in that world. <laughs> you know, I, I need something else to do. Um, I think that's what it's missing right now. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, that is Fortnite is all about that. If if you're if you're you're like you know you know five percent of our players are going to win tonight. What? How do we make another night another ninety five happy? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that I think they are really good at that. Uh, that is Multiversus, and it is, uh, I think it was on the Epic Game Store, is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, sure, I played on PS5. Oh, PS5. Yeah. Um, I think it's also on Xbox. Yeah. yeah. All right, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? A couple of games I can't talk about just yet. Uh, you know, uh, some listener, yeah, can't talk, I was about to say when I would talk about it, I don't think I can say that either. Uh, some games I can't talk about, but one game I can talk about uh we, anthony taramina talked about last week i think and friend of the show mr garnet lee what our uh, old friend of the show reached out and was like hey uh this game's a treat uh i had fun working on it uh with the folks over at raw fury which is where he is now and uh garnet provided us with codes for dome keeper mm-hmm. and i was very honest with him in my text with him like congrats it sounds great taramina love you know had lots to, to say about the game he really seemed impressed by it. it doesn't seem like it's the type of game for me um but i'd be happy to check it out you know if you got codes going around and, and i'm proud of you and your work and the team's work on everybody on the game it, it looks beautiful so i got a code and i was away from home this weekend so i loaded it up onto my old steam deck it's real fun, fellas. It's real fun. Uh, Taramina did a good job describing it last week, so I won't rehash all of it. But it's a two-part game. Bottom part, you're digging and looking for resources with the constant stress of getting those resources back up into your little base to then strengthen your dome, which is the protective thing over your base for an incoming monster invasion that keeps happening from time to time. And you just try to survive as long as you can uh, with some roguelite elements in where after your run, inevitably, at least for me, ends, (laughs) you know, with your dome being destroyed, there are certain aspects of each run that you get to carry over into your next run as you unlock and progress. And what I think makes the game really work for me, uh, different from a lot of these style of games, be it a tower defense game, which this isn't really, but it has some similarities of like, as you go into upgrade your dome uh, before the demons attack, like where do you spend those resources? You're not necessarily setting out different traps, but it's like, how do you prioritize the limited resources you have to best get you through another another wave of demons? Um that genre doesn't really excite me. I've mentioned on this show before, very few rogue type games excite me or or click with me, but this game has a certain level of chill to it. And I think Taramina talked about that as well, where it feels like, don't be wrong. I I die every time I have not had super long runs, but there there's like a low key ness to it. And I think it's the aesthetic in the score the the soundtrack and the aesthetic of this game with its pixel art and purples like very simple 
color scheme. It's beautiful, not in the horizon way, but like a very sure of itself art style and color palette that it leans into. And just the movement of your, your characters, you kind of jetpack around and the as you're mining through spaces like dig dug also gives me that kind of cathartic feeling of like as you're just breaking through things you're moving at just the right clip to make it feel to have weight behind it and to feel satisfying and then knowing that the monsters are coming one of the first things you can unlock is as a graph that shows you how close the monsters are to coming again and that push pull of like well i got all these resources should I bring them back now? But I'm pretty far down into my little cave. I can try to bring all of them, but I'll move slow. Or do I do two runs and try to dig close? What if I don't find them? There's just this Zen quality to the game that I don't find in a lot of rogue type games or tower defense games that feel a little too stressful <laughs> for me. And I think it is the simplified color palette and the score. Um, and I think also the knowing that I am going to fail where I, even in Hades never heard of it. As I played that game, I still think <laughs> even when I still <laughs> go back to it, I still think I'm good enough to finish it on this run. You know, like there's this huge, like rogue legacy too. It's like, nah, I can do it. I can. And that's clearly not how the game is designed. Right. But it's like, I'm a good, I'm good at platformers. I'm, I got all the strawberries. I can do this and I can't. And in dome keeper, I, I don't have any sense of that, of like, yeah, I'm good at keeping domes. <laughs> you know, like I can I can keep this dome. I'm good at exploring random uh, earth as I dig through it. I know where all the minerals are. Um, it's really, really nice. And I, I really enjoy it on my Steam Deck as well. You get the warning. It's like, uh, you know, not fully certified because they say fonts are small. So it shows you, you know how you can zoom in the parts of the screen to read the fonts. I didn't have a problem reading anything. Mostly, I think, because when you're doing the reading, the game is in a pause state when you uh, outfit your dome. That's, I guess another thing that I like about it, you have time to think. When you're spending your resources, the world is paused. So it's not, what was that, Zombie U, that Ubisoft Wii U game that used the tablet really well when you looked in your backpack, uh, <laughs> like the world is still coming at you. The monsters aren't still coming at you as you're trying to prepare. So I was able to read everything on screen just fine. And it was great on Steam Deck. Uh and I'm a believer as, as Taramina described it. I was like, Oh, it sounds like some interesting stuff, but it doesn't, you know, feel like my type of game. Give me that crow time to eat it. I'm really enjoying dome keeper. It's, it's super chill. Very cool. Yeah. It does seem like a, a the perfect steam deck game. Um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to, to check it out yet. I appreciate getting the, the code from Garnet, but I have been uh, just a swath in steam next fest demos uh it's that time of year that happens more than once a year honestly uh where uh steam is like uh here's the demos for like 1200 games and it's like oh that's too many uh I, every time you're one like, of these oh things- those are all the games that are coming out this year no they're all out next week <laughs> yeah yeah no it's 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 bonkers it, it it is truly my takeaway from any of these uh steam events is how does anyone make money in the video game industry at all uh, it, it is there's so much so much being made and so much of it is high quality interesting stuff and specifically the indie market is just incredibly fascinating to me but i don't know how anybody's like i'm gonna make this card battling game 
It's like, yeah, there's a, a infinity of those. How are you going to stand out? I don't understand how anybody does it. It's wild. But I take it upon myself to uh, attempt to wade through as many of the demos as I can and pull Clock out some gems. eyes, just, I must... The audience demands. Yes, I, I, I present, I humbly present uh, some choice picks, some gems uh, for the audience to keep on, put on their radars for when these games are coming out, because a lot of them coming out very soon. Um, so I am going to uh, try to quickly move through the ones that I have uh, loved. I, I played many more than I will mention. Uh, and a lot of the games I thought I was going to love uh, end up the, the de- I don't know. Sometimes the demo is just not good, right? Sometimes a demo is just not a good indication of what the game's going to be like. Uh, and then other times I'm like, wow, I really, that game sparked my interest. I thought it was going to be awesome. Eh, it didn't really uh, deliver. Um, so these are the games that I will come to you, dear listener, uh, and tell you uh, are on my radar, are, are really going to be games I think I'm going to play when they are fully released. The first of them is a game, Christian, I think you would really dig. I don't know if you've heard of this game. It's called Night Witch uh, with a K, K-N-I-G-H-D. Night, like a Night of the Round Table or whatever. Night Witch uh, Wait, is a... Is it W-H-I-C-H? Yeah, you, you have your Night Witch, you know, before you <laughs> put a little ham and cheese on it. I mean, you tell what type of night it is, but not what type of witch it is. I need to know which <laughs> know. witch. This is, this is a, a, uh, a 2D uh, sort of... Um, metroidvania-esque game but mixed with a bullet hell shooter so you are you are the titular night witch you are a a witch you can fly at all times you get to fly you're this little character that can fly all the time pretty rad uh and you can shoot off your magic spells you're a little person flying around you can shoot off your magic spells in the form of different you know weapon attacks uh bullets basically um and everything you encounter also shoots bullets in the classic bullet hell shmup style where they come at you relatively slow and you have to dodge. Um, the game is gorgeous. I love, love the art, art style. It looks very hand-drawn, very, very pretty. Great color palette. Gorgeous. Um, and, uh, and, and sort of uh, mashes up those two uh, genres pretty well. You're collecting things, moving around, experiencing the story, uh, leveling up your character. It's kind of got some roguelite elements, some RPG elements. You're leveling up your character and 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 getting acquiring new things and you've got these cards um that give you certain magical effects uh sort of big big power-ups big uh, attacks or or you know effects that you can do uh, that require you collecting mana so you'll you know blow something up and it'll drop some uh globule of mana that you have to go pick up so it forces you to move through the bullet hell to pick up the globule uh, you know, not reinventing the wheel, just doing everything really, really well. The thing that puts it really over the top for me, I mean, it's just fun, like immediately fun, great demo game, uh, but also seems like it's going to be a great longer experience that I'm going to dig. But the thing that kind of puts it over the top for me is a feature that maybe you guys have seen before. And if so, please uh, mention it. I have never seen this before. Basically, you hold down right bumper. And I think really in a cool way that the game says, uh, hold right bumper to obliterate your enemies or something like that. It's like, that's the instruction, which is kind of cool. Uh, but you hold the right bumper down to shoot and you're just constantly shooting and you can, you know, it's a twin stick, basically twin stick shooter. Uh, so you're moving your character around flying through these Metroidvania type uh, corridors and levels and stuff. And, uh, you know, shooting all around you and dodging the bullet hell. 
which is completely not normal for these type of games. But it also allows you and explicitly says, if you just hold down the bumper and don't touch the other stick, the aiming stick, we will automatically shoot the bullet at the enemy. It will always hit the enemy, but it'll be less powerful. It'll take more hits to kill the enemy, but you'll always aim to whatever the closest enemy is. I don't That's know. Cool. I've, I've seen that before, but it's, I think, a brilliant way to have this immediately accessible option to make the game a little less frantic or a little more accessible. Um, yeah, it's like an auto combo in a fighting game, and it does a little less damage, but it's easier to pull off. That's yeah, awesome. It's yeah. brilliant, and it's so much fun. To, at a certain point, you're like, oh my gosh, the bullets are so crazy. I just need to concentrate on avoiding them. So I'll just like take my thumb off the aim stick and just hold down the thing and it's going to be shooting. It's, it's genius. And you can sort of sometimes use it. It's not a menu option. It's, 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 it's opt in all the time. It's great. So brilliant. So that's called a night witch. Went a little longer on that than I intended to, but I think it's a really cool game. Uh, A couple of look beautiful. I don't have it on, on video here, but I did pull it up for me to look at selfishly. Yeah. It's got like Rayman vibes uh, in terms of like the art design. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really, really pretty. Very hand-drawn, you know, very sort of animation, uh, classic yeah. Saturday morning animation. Um, uh, the other prettiest game that I played of the demos is a game called Potionomics, uh, which is a very adorable uh, mashup. As I have been saying um, the last few weeks, it feels like the newest trend in indie games is like, mash up wildly disparate genres of established game tropes and then put them together. You know, it's kind of a cult of the lamb did that. A lot of these indie games are doing that where it's like, it's this thing. And I mean, you just did uh, dome keepers kind of like that too. This thing and this thing, and we found a way to mesh them together. I I think it's a really cool trend personally. Um, Anyway, Potionomics takes a, um, like a, uh, uh, a card battler, a economics, you know, like a, a, a diner dash kind of thing where you have to feed all the right people and get, you know, match their wants to the thing you're making uh, and a dating sim. So it's those three things kind of all smushed together. Uh, and it does it in a really beautiful way. A gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous game where it'll mesh like 2D. There are modes of the game or sections of the game where you're in this beautiful 2D sort of isometric world where you're like setting out your, you're creating your potion shop and you're making potion or you're attracting customers to your potion shop. And then once the customers come in to your shop, it'll transition into fully 3D, you know, Unreal Engine style uh, depictions of you and the character. And you get into this card battling system and the card battling isn't defeat them. It's haggle over price. So you're using cards like, you know, hook them in and real, you know, uh, tell them about the, the special or whatever. It, and it, it, it is constantly uh, attacking their doubts and their pushback on your price. Or, or it's, it's a pretty clever idea of using card battle to haggle over price. Uh, and then you can also, you know, fall in love with people and you're moving Not around with the, the city. same system. Uh, the falling in love with, I didn't get into in the uh, in the demo specifically. Okay, if that comes down to haggling, I feel like that's not right. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't fall in love with anybody. I definitely saw some uh, 
some some real uh, attractive people that I might I might fall in love with though because you 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 go about the city you you meet people and you have to get ingredients from the the uh, you know boy band looking dude who sells ingredients you know it's like oh I can see where this is headed but I didn't get no, into any specific uh, I think it's more of dialogue choices that you you'll deal with you in fall that. in love with them the way our great grandparents did you you're persistent yeah you just don't accept no. I I kept coming to that diner every day to haggle with Jan, and Jan always said no. But who was there Tuesday morning? Your great grandfather was there to haggle with Jan. All right, well, you, know what, you know what's kind of crazy though is like uh, you're leaving money on the table. You're costing your game sales if you don't provide attractive romance options in your game. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Because I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of how you how you framed this whole thing. You know, it's it's you're playing twenty Steam demos. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, how do you differentiate yourself? How do you make yourself rise above the others? And it's like, well, you do all these things and you can go on dates in our game. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's like, it's smart. Yeah. You do all the, <laughs> we, we have everything that game has plus dates. Plus like, dates. Yeah. I'm in. All I'm right. Doing I'll it. announce it here. Uh, sign up uh, patreon.com slash DLC pod uh, plus dating us. Um, I don't know how it I'm, works. We're both we're married, married happily, know. but right. figure it out. Know, yeah, figure it out. out. Kyle <laughs> mentioned, you know, we're it's leaving a, money on the table, Jeff. We're it's also a, it's a card-based haggling system. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Potionomics. Uh, and again, utterly beautiful game. I, I just thought I was really taken by the visuals of that game. You also, I mean, it's very Harry Potter. Like you have this owl that helps you. Anyway, whatever. Um, okay, uh, another game I want to mention is called Bravery and Greed. Uh, I could see myself putting a lot of time into this game. This, this game is. Kind of what if uh, what if Rogue Legacy and Gauntlet had a baby? Uh, it's a 2D side-scrolling platformer uh, action and RPG, uh, but up to four people co-op, uh, which awesome. Classes where you can, you know, different classes have different attacks. A really kind of interesting deep combat system for a 2D uh, pixel art side-scrolling game. Um, and uh, and and it's you know this big dense uh, role or uh, fantasy world where you're you know going into dungeons and and uh, getting loot and all that that stuff that I love uh, great pixel graphics and uh, you know roguelite kind of systems where you're you know getting your characters improving 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 as you play but you can play it four players at once in co-op all on the same screen pretty rad called bravery love the title Agreed. yeah. Yeah, good title, right? Bravery and Greed. Um, Interesting that it is it's side-scrolling, again, just to repeat that. Because like, you said Gauntlet, and Gauntlet is very much that top-down. It's like, oh, maybe this is yeah. isometric. No, it's straight-up side-scrolling. Um, yeah, it's like like I said, like Rogue Legacy, but meets sort of the Gauntlet uh, four yeah. players at once. We're all you know taking down a, a yeah. dungeon together thing. Um, That's cool. Uh, another game I mentioned, uh, Soul Stone Survivors which is basically vampire survivor-like. Uh, we're seeing a number of these vampire survivor-likes. Uh, listeners to the show know what a complete maniac I am for vampire survivor. I think that game is absolute genius. Um, and it's interesting to see people take that idea and run with it and kind of layer on new things. Soul Stone Survivors is one of those where I was like, I'm just going to play this Steam demo and just check it out. And it's like, well, it's two hours later. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like that. Um, and it, it basically is, you know, it is 
Vampire Survivor in that you have a character on a screen, tons of enemies coming at you all around. Uh, you are auto-procking your attacks. You don't have to push a button to attack. It's going to do it on a timer. And as you defeat more enemies, they drop experience globules. You collect those. You level up. Very condensed, very rapid uh, amount of leveling. And you're picking from three different potential power-ups as you level um, the difference here is, you know, it's, it's the graphics are more sophisticated and there's a lot more, oh, well, not a lot more vampire survivor has a lot of classes, but there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, uh, different kinds of power-ups, vampire survivor is basically like, you know, you get these different weapons, you power up those weapons, they get to this godlike status. This is more like, you know, Area of effect, uh, uh, passive buffs, you know, you have to swap in and swap out um, weapons. It's, it's a little bit more sophisticated in what it's asking you to manage. And you have like um, um, familiars, you'll have like little creatures that can follow you around and attack. So it's, it's basically just kind of doing a little bit more than Vampire Survivor. And for me, that's exciting. Like I love people progressing this kind of new genre. Um, Soulstone Survivors is what it's called. Uh, and then the last one I'll mention is uh, from Space, which another immediately uh, immediately drew me in with its visual style. This is a top-down isometric uh, co-op experience designed for co-op type experience, uh, where you are basically um, it's in the eight, set in the eighties, and you are uh, there's been some kind of crazy alien invasion, and you have to fight them off. It's a um, you know dungeon crawl um what is the what is the game that i'm i want to reference um top down but you can shoot in all directions um gungeon yeah gungeon um enter the gungeon yeah yeah it's 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 that it's a little that's not the game i was thinking of but there's a, a bunch of them like that um where you know basically it's twin stick shooter as well where you can shoot in all directions you're getting you're you, you know blowing open doors and finding a cache of stuff and, and, you know, upgrading your weapon. It's, it's very, um, uh, the worlds are not random. They're very, you know, designed and, and look cool. And it's got this great aesthetic too. It, everything looks kind of, um, almost like claymation or everything has rounded edges or kind of bubbly and almost like gummy bears. Everything's like a gummy bear in this world. Uh, and I found it, the, the, uh, aesthetic to be very appealing. Uh, it's called From Space. I played a lot of it. And again, a great looks like a great co-op experience as well. Um, yeah, the aliens are like pink gooey, so they get around like it's not blood splatter, but you see this like pink goo splattered yeah. everywhere as you kind of take them out, which makes the environment look like messy, but again, not like disgusting, you know, in a way. It's like a, a, kids could play this game. What's a um, game I'm, I'm that's like that, Christian? I'm, I'm having, a, I'm failing at describing a game that's like that, but... There's a million of those like isometric uh, explore and shoot everything as you go. You know what I'm talking about? There was I, one on probably... Xbox recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was that called? I played a ton a of it. Just Ascent. Yes, Ascent. Yes. Ascent. That. It's that. Uh, but but I, I think with a great aesthetic and uh, it, you know, super fun. It's called From Space. Um and then, the, did you try any of these, Christian? Did you try any Steam Next Fest demos? I did not. I, I looked at you know trailers for some. I, I like going in. That's what I love about Steam is that they almost they all have trailers right there, and you kind of yeah. click through and see what's the, what. Uh, there's a, a whole bunch more I could bring up, uh, and I kept going. Which of these would Christian like? 
Ooh, can uh, I say something real quick? Sorry. The From Space, as I have it up. Steam, Stadia, Switch. Well, listed as two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> two out of three is probably still happening. Um, I like how you called it From Space. <laughs> I think it's From Space. No, it's From Space. <laughs> you said From Space. This game, From Space. <laughs> That's not... Well, it had to come from somewhere. Where do you think it came from? From space. (laughs) You say it like there's this space (laughs) that's called from. Like my space. Yeah. yeah. From space. (laughs) So we all get it. Thank you. Golly, drop the the and make it a game. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyway, there's uh, one other game that I I was really like, this is a Christian special uh, that maybe you want to check out. We have, you have, you know, a few more hours after we get done recording, you might check it out. It's called Gunbrella. Have you heard of this game? I, I like have played it. that game. Okay, yeah, it, it it's been it's been uh, I think around a little bit, but uh, it's crazy, crazy cool. Uh, this, um, you know, you're this English gentleman with an umbrella that can block, block weapons and make you, you know, um, float through the air and ride on uh, zip lines and stuff. It's it's cool. Anyway, it's a devolver game, which uh, you know, their E3 presentations can be obnoxious. <laughs> But their games are more often than not hits. Uh, and this looks like it could be another one. Yeah, it, it definitely has like Celeste style pixel art, not necessarily in color palette, but in uh, des- character design yeah, exactly. kind of world. And I'm curious to see how the, the Gunbrella, how that unfolds throughout the course of the game, because it starts off. It's an interesting, you know, give you one object, let it do multiple things style of weapon and i think it has a lot of promise it really feels like a uh, very complex platformer i thought it was going to be this you know crazy shooter and it is that but it also uh feels like the platforming is where it's at for that game um, because of how the umbrella lets you platform it's cool all right so uh just to recap my favorite steam next fest demos that i played night witch from space <laughs> soulstone survivors bravery and greed and potionomics I'd love to hear uh, listeners if you uh, encountered any other games that maybe I didn't check out and that you uh, were really wowed by. Uh, please let us know. Let us know. And you know what? I think, especially because of the way you framed it, right? I think it's pretty nice you didn't talk about any of those that you like clearly did not like. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, man, they're just trying their hardest out here. I, like... Yes, exactly, right? That's one thing. <laughs> There's like literally, literally, it's drinking from a fire hose on that yeah. anyway. And I would, I would, I mean, honestly, I didn't have time to really give a lot of these demos a chance. I would download it, and then like the first 15 seconds, I would be able to know, like, it's probably not going to be the game for me. And I just move on. There's so many other things to try and check out, and it's, you know, it's it's a really cool thing that they do, but it also makes me go, how does anybody survive as an indie game developer? I just don't, I don't even understand the, the economics of it. It just baffles me. But I'm glad because well, we have a lot of really fantastic games being made. That's you true. reel them in. That's the economics of it. Mm, yeah, if you play the card mm, that says reel them in. Reel them um, in, yeah. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. You sound so disappointed. You wanted a better button. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to do it for this one. I always... I always do. I always want a better button. Then. I was I was for probably 20 minutes straight waiting for the opportunity to be like, yeah, Steve Martin owns that one. But like it never <laughs> happened. You know what I mean, it never it never came up. Never happened. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that... I was like, I'm really going to wow him with this callback. And it's just <laughs> the, the opportunity never arose. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. <laughs> we do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Kyle Bossman, it is always a delight to speak to you or, or hear you talk about games. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun. Fun week to be on. Tell the folks where they can find more of the things that you do online. Sure. Yeah, I got a, a weekly YouTube series called Delayed Input coming back in two weeks. Uh, so check that out. Um, it's easiest just to like go to YouTube and Google search for Delayed Input. But yeah, there's a Patreon associated with that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Twitch streaming three days a week. So twitch.tv slash Kyle Bossman. Very cool. And, and, you know, I don't need to tell you listeners, but uh, if you're not checking out everything he puts out you're missing out because it's uh it, it's it's great great content that you should put in your eyeballs christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week steve martin owns it uh is what i was gonna make this week it's all it's all steve martin's <laughs> content he is litigious <laughs> um, uh, i'm writing a book called born standing up that apparently steve already wrote uh okay, okay there it steve is martin. that's it you got it Thank you. All right. Well, that's all. That's all. That's for me. That's for the show. That's for everybody. Um, I have a newsletter that I usually put out one uh, once a month, sometimes more than that. I, uh, it's called Let's Chat Games. It's an informal uh, writing about video games and conversations about that. Also, uh, it's not coming out this week, Jeff, but we have something exciting coming to patrons. You do? All patrons. Oh, we do uh soon soon Exciting. are we ex announcing uh, what that is i don't should i should i just leave it as a vague tease and announce it next week i don't know that's that i want to know what yeah. it is okay well you, you reeled me in oh yeah <laughs> good playing of the card um Tell the folks what it is christian well kyle are you willing to date me for it <laughs> <laughs> is that how it works <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have been chatting uh, with Alex Solman uh, on a, a show that we have kind of called Feeling This, and it is a dissection of a game or a mechanic uh, or a franchise, and we talk about the feel of that game or mechanic or, or thing. Uh, Alex is a longtime dev, works on some God of Wars, among other things, many games that I have loved over the years. And friend of the show. The, friend of the show, been on the show. Um and I, we teased one a while ago as like a bonus content at the end of a show. And we have, because of COVID and moving and the world of things that have happened, it, it took a bit, but we have a 10 episode season, we'll call it, of Feeling This that is going to release weekly to patrons uh, here at patreon.com slash dlcpod as extra content for everybody, uh, all tiers of patrons. And so you'll get that first 10 episode season here starting um, very soon this month in October of feeling this with Alex and I talking about, you know, doom, what that feels like. We do some racing games, the discussion of kind of what makes those feel great when they do and stuff like that. It is again, a celebration of games and the things that make them great. And uh, we've been working uh, hard at it. So I'm excited to have it get out to people's ear holes here relatively soon. And I, hopefully there'll be an explanation as to uh, why you guys lost my phone number when you were recording. The... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, th this is an entire bonus, an entire bonus podcast that you get 
by being a patron to DLC. Uh, so hop on it. Obviously, you are also getting the paid DLC program on Wednesdays uh, in addition to supporting the show. But now 10 more episodes of an entire new podcast. Uh, hey, well, these kind of deals, they don't come along every day. You can check it out at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Anything else, Christian? I just wanted to say I, I didn't lose your number. I don't know why you thought I did. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Why? Well, you know, my phone's been acting up, so I guess that explains it. <laughs> what's what's going on with uh, with you, Jeff? What's, I what's got I got podcasts. Also, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, I do the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. You can find the film cast at uh, the film cast. Pod.com? I never can ever remember the URL. Yeah, it's really weird. Anyway, search for the film cast. You'll find us. Uh, and I do uh, a comedy science show called We Have Concerns with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And I also do a sports show called Fan Controlled Show uh, for the Fan Controlled Sports Entertainment Network. Uh, you can find that as a new location, twitch.tv slash fan controlled sports or on YouTube or as a podcast. Uh, lots of places to find that as well all right let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts hey give us a suggestion of what to do this week give us a parting gift this is your parting gift kyle do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week yeah i got a question do you have music for feeling this set up do you have cues for that um for the short answer is yes but we do not custom bumpers but we set the tone with scores from the games that we're talking about oh okay all right cool cool cool. when cool. i'm not involved in the show it's much more highfalutin it's it's got <laughs> it's got class uh it's it's it doesn't have goofy people going <laughs> no, like i do i do story of the week i love story of the week that's just that's a good drop Thank you. Um, uh, Werewolf by Night is my pick. So Werewolf by Night uh, is the Disney Plus Marvel scary movie. It's an hour long, which is just like, hell yeah. I would say the, the yes to any of that, any of that, um, a one hour movie. But uh, it's it turns out it's really good. It's black and white. It's using like uh, deep cut horror Marvel comic book characters. Uh, and it's so like to call it an MCU movie, I feel like is unfair because there's like no crossover. It's really just like, let's make a fun movie out of these comic book characters who are, you know, C tier, C and D tier, you know, unknown yeah. generally. And uh, it turned out great. It's so fun. So like, enjoy your enjoy your October. Check out uh, Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus. Awesome. Very cool. I've, I think I'm going to actually watch that tonight after we get done. Very excited. One hour. How can you say no? Right? Yeah. Yep. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? More things to watch this October and perhaps into November a little bit. It is baseball playoff season. I've mentioned it, I think, every every year. Every year this time of year, I mentioned it. This is the first year it has been a full expanded playoff to 12 teams, but that wild card round as of tonight when we are recording is over with San Diego beating the over 100-win Mets um, to advance out of that, that wild card round. That was the only wild card series that went to a full three games. Now we are in it. And there's some San Diego killer fan base that finally is going to have a home playoff game. I think it's been 15, 16 years since they've had Phillies back in it. Um, Some good teams, of course, Dodgers, uh, Yankees. It's going to be incredible. I love playoff baseball. You can watch it 
wherever you I don't <laughs> where, sign wherever up for, you get major I think it's ESPN and TBS for now. Mm. I'll see Kyle with the facts. I, I was I saw I saw some umpires touching this uh pitcher's greasy ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Yeah. They were they were like they were rubbing his ears and I was like, Oh, that's so uncomfortable. But the man looks straight ahead like <laughs> I he like hatefully, like hey, I'm gonna destroy the Mets after they touch my ears. And he did. <laughs> and he did. You know, you know your pitcher has good stuff when it's just mowing down the other team and then the other manager is just like, Well, clearly he's cheating. Check even his though ears. Yeah, even though this year they already check for foreign substances between innings, but they're like, No, 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 we're going out mid inning he's clearly his ears look sweaty rub them rub I, uh, his ears my my entire twitter feed was just full of people making uh is this your coin jokes you know uh, <laughs> uh like uncles um but cheating is very in vogue right now i don't know if you guys are aware of that. chess and fishing and uh poker poker Everybody, everybody's cheating. I saw a poker one and maybe me if kyle's willing to date me <laughs> nice <laughs> Um, my parting <laughs> gift, ladies and gentlemen, uh, We're is not getting into a try guy scandal here. I'm, I'm the married guy. I'm not, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually watched Saturday Night Live this week and was like, I don't get that sketch. And I was like, oh, I'm too They old. did a sketch about try guys? Massive, huge, long sketch about try guys. Yes. That's wild. It was, I guess you have to at this point, right? I guess. I, I don't know. It, it'll have 5 million views on, on YouTube by Monday. So like, why not? Yeah. Well, that's uh, uh, modern Saturday Night Live in the last couple of years has really just gone like uber niche. Like they go, oh, this is all for, m you know, Sunday and Monday morning retweets. We're just going to go yeah. super niche, which is very interesting to see, to see like this major network show do that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I was going to say there's also something else going on. I know that the, at the beginning of every episode, I say we talk about desktops, laptops, and consoles, but also dice, luck, and cardboards, indicating that we do a lot of board game talk here. Hasn't happened uh, in the post-COVID version of the show uh, very often uh, because I haven't been playing a, a lot of board games, but I have been buying a lot of board games. And right now uh, is a... <laughs> just because I don't play them doesn't mean I'm not wasting my money on them. Um, right now is the, the biggest video... Uh, video uh, board game event... Uh, on the planet, and it is the Essen Spiel, which is uh, the German board game convention uh, in Essen, uh, and uh, it is uh, very interesting. Over twelve hundred board games uh, debut there, and uh, many of them you can't get anywhere else, or you never will be able to get. Uh, and it's fascinating. There's lots of great content around it. Uh, I will plug a couple of my favorite YouTube channels, uh, mostly because uh, their hosts have been on this show. They're friends of our show. Uh, the, uh, the dice tower network is great. Uh, we've had Tom Vassal on, we had, uh, I think several of the members of the, of the dice tower on the show. Uh, they're great. They are there. They had a big presence there and they had like daily roundups of all the stuff they saw. Lot, lots of fun. And Rado, uh, Rado runs through, uh, Rado is, is great. Been on our show. Uh, and, uh, he does a great coverage uh, of that event as well. And, and great board game coverage in general. So, um, I apologize that the, the board game coverage here on DLC has been uh, light in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, I hope to change that, but I wanted to point you folks to some other ways to get great board gaming content if you're curious. All right. We did also get a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Darren from Brunswick, Ohio. 
Darren writes, uh, hi, I wanted to make a parting gift suggestion since we are back in Westeros with House of the Dragon. I had to recommend Fire and Blood, the book by George R.R. R. Martin that it's based on. It's written in a different style than A Song of Ice and Fire, but man, oh man, is it incredible. It is epic storytelling of the highest order with amazing characters, shocking betrayals, and a fascinating look at the history of Westeros. If you have any interest in epic fantasy or just good storytelling, you should absolutely check it out. Have a great week, Darren. Awesome. Uh, I'm sure there are many of us uh, that are watching House of the Dragon and shocked every week. It seems uh, uh, a show is spicy. But uh, I did not, as much as I loved Song of Ice and Fire, I did not read Fire and Blood. Uh, It's great to hear that the book upon which it is based is equally as entertaining as A Song of Ice and Fire was, which I uh, have often held up as a example of great prose in the fantasy genre, which you don't often find, sadly. So and I find that interesting. It's written, what does it say? It's written in a completely different style. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder think, what that means. I don't want to say something that's not true, but did he have a ghost? Did he have a, like a partner that he wrote with? I, Cause I feel like George didn't sit down and write these cause you know, oh, he doesn't sure. do that much anymore. Um, I thought it just meant that every like, couple of chapters, he described some characters looking 10 years older while other characters looked exactly the same. And I thought that was the big, the big difference in it. Like you come around and you see a knight who looks the same from 15 years ago. In fact, you would question whether or not this knight was the same man who did not age. But as we turn the corner, we see this maiden who's, you wouldn't, if you saw them, this and the prior maiden from the last chapter, you'd think they're different people. In fact, uh, so different. And then, you know, describe the character features that make them look different. No, no, no. One. I like your narration voice. <laughs> Sorry. My regular voice is so whiny. Gosh. So here's what it's, it was. It was like it was theatrical. It was like slightly British. It wasn't totally <laughs> British. It was just theatrical. I would say I was going for a little bit New York, uh, actually, just a, <laughs> yeah. little, uh, a little Mario, you might call it. So evidently, uh, Fire and Blood was pulled out of a book called The World of Ice and Fire, uh, which was a manuscript that Martin had been working on alongside Elio M. Garcia Jr., the listed as the co-author for The World of Ice and Fire. So I do think that there was probably more than one hand in the writing, although he is the only one credited on the cover of Fire and Blood. So I don't know. I don't want to cast a spur. Classic betrayal. Classic <laughs> Westeros right. betrayal. If you would like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Kyle Bossman and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song writers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to each and every one of you who download the show. We appreciate it. But especially thanks to our patrons who support the show and make it possible at patreon.com slash dlcpod. The top tier patrons, our hype train patrons, get their names shouted out at the end of every episode. So we're going to do that right now. I get to thank our hype train patrons who I found out Steve Martin actually owns um, all of you, in fact. So uh, 
congrats, I guess. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. So Steve Martin owns the following interview. <laughs> Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, Spiceman Silencer. Yeah, I gotta, f I say this almost every time. Maybe Steve Martin owns the Spiceman. Maybe, maybe. Albert for Hell to Dios. Jonathan Spiceman Forever, Schlepplefer, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with 1L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulas, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, David Epp, Hyperboy66, Shouruken. Uh, I'm trying to think of like another Street Fighter that can, I could put a Ken. It's like a hack, tack, tack, Ken, Ken. That's not quite, you know. Finish Ken. Oh, that one works if you want to go Mortal Kombat. Finish Ken. Uh, that's okay. Comedian Aaron Trahan. Curtis from Louisville. Relentless Rex. I would be tired Rex. <laughs> I think I'd be like, oh man. Exhausted Rex would be uh <laughs> would be me. Michael S, Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, Rob Ricksman, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob. You always always add cheese. It really doesn't matter what kind. Swiss I kinda don't like because in high school I, I had a chicken sandwich and I got food poisoning, and Swiss was like the most prominent flavor on that, even though it's probably undercooked chicken. But you know, otherwise I'm still okay with Swiss. It's just like my least anyway, cheese. Always always add cheese. Victor Venezuela, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, Yick, Soren Silk, Travis, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peak, Tyler Wigert. Thank you all for supporting this show. I hope you enjoy feeling this when those episodes start hitting here later this month. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.